It's great to be here with you um, today. This is my first time at uh, Calvary Baptist Church in St. John's, Newfoundland. I was here uh, back in the late 90s when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and uh, we were serving at First Baptist Church up in Mount Pearl and had opportunity to pass this uh, facility a number of times on the road, uh, driving back and forth up and down Ken Mount Road, but uh, this is my first time here. So thank you for having us. Steve Bray and I go way back. Any, uh, anything you want to know about him, I'll gladly tell you. So just see me after, and uh, any dirt you need, I have lots. So um, I really have appreciated uh, Brother Steve. He's been a good friend over uh, our years together in ministry, and although God hasn't yet uh, moved our paths together in ministry in the same church, uh, we've certainly helped each other th- over some rough spots. I know um, sometimes Steve will call me and say, man, I'm, I'm stuck. What do, I, what do I do? And sometimes I'll call him and say, Steve, I'm stuck. What do, what do I do? Hopefully we don't call each other with that at the same time because that would, that would not be good. So uh, thanks for having us here. That video, I hope, give you a good overview of what our family is planning on doing in South Africa. Visit our website. That's the best place for you to find out more information. If you're still a little fuzzy on something, you didn't quite catch something from that video, the website is the place for you to go to find out all the information you want to know. Uh, it's on our prayer card. We have prayer cards at the back on the table. So just as you're leaving today, uh, grab one of those. Uh, the more you take, the fewer I have to carry back to St. John's. So please uh, take a prayer card. The website's on there. Information about how to get in touch with me personally. If you want, uh, you have a question about something, I can answer for you. My email's on the back. My cell phone number's there. And um, also our Facebook page address and Twitter account and all those kind of things, if that's your thing. Um, we try to keep that as updated as possible. So you can... Um, please pick up a prayer card. All the information is great. The other thing I, I would like it to do for you in your life is to prompt you to pray for us. So put it where, wherever you frequent the most. Now, you know, if that's the fridge, hey, that's the fridge. Let's just, you know, as Pastor Steve said, we can all be open here, right, and, and, and suffer together a little bit. So if it's the fridge you frequent often, then please pick up a card and put it there where you'll remember to, to pray for us as we prepare Uh, for what God has for us in the country of South Africa. Regretfully, I was not able to bring my family with me on this trip. It's too far and too much expense, but um, they would have loved to have been here to meet all you folks, and uh, thank you uh, once again for having us. Let's take some time now to look into God's Word. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter Two, and as you're turning there, let, let me introduce this passage by saying this. The Apostle Paul uh, was a traveler. How, I don't know, maybe you've been bit by the travel bug. Uh, maybe you haven't. But the Apostle Paul was a traveler. He uh, crisscrossed uh, the Roman Empire uh, th- at least three times. We have three missionary journeys that we talk about from the Gospel or from the book of Acts. And. Then we have a trip to Rome to appeal his case to Caesar, and there's a great deal of travel adventures involved in that. But even before his missionary journeys, Paul was a traveler. Don't forget that Paul grew up primarily in the city of Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, a very famous rabbinical teacher of the law. And Paul was born in Tarsus, but grew up in Jerusalem. We assume that his parents probably sent him there to be educated. And so most of his life was spent away from home, traveling in foreign places and unusual 
circumstances and situations. And Paul, in all his travels, this is what I've asked myself uh, many times as I've read through Paul's missionary adventures and his missionary trips. Why is it, why is it that, that Paul would travel so much because Paul didn't really have it the way we have it right I mean when I traveled to Newfoundland I got on the airplane and you know there was a a lady there saying well can I get you a drink Mr. Hunter and uh is everything comfortable Mr. Hunter and would you like a you know is your seat in the right position and uh, would you like a snack now mind you you know it's like that big of a snack but uh hey she was all looking and you know the plane bumped a little bit so the captain came on and said now Please fasten your seatbelts, people, because, you know, there's a bit of turbulence here. And then we landed and everybody was, you know, nice air-conditioned airport. And that really wasn't the way it went for Paul when he traveled. Um, If you remember, some of the circumstances and situations that Paul had while he traveled were really quite harsh. Um, There was, of course, being stoned (laughs) and thrown out of a city. That didn't happen to me on the way here. Hasn't happened yet, anyway. Um, And you remember that Paul... Uh, is thrown into jail. It, it, just Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn here, but just review with me for a minute the founding of, you know, uh, Calvary Baptist Church of Philippi, let's call it. Uh, you remember what happens there. Paul gets to Philippi, right? And he comes to the city and he hears that there's a prayer meeting going on on the Sabbath day out by the river. There's a number of ladies meeting there to pray. And so Paul goes and meets with the ladies out by the river in Acts chapter 16. And they ask him why he's come, and he shares with them. Paul and Silas are traveling together by this point. This is Missionary Journey 2. And as he's there with those ladies, by the way, he shares the gospel with them. And what happens? You remember, some of them are converted. One lady who is converted, we know her name. Her name's Lydia. She was a wealthy seller of purple who had come to the city of Philippi to do business. And so she's there. She's converted to Christ. She opens her home for Paul and Silas to stay in, and they sort of make that their base of ministry operations while they're in Philippi. And then you remember Paul and Silas are in the city one day, and they meet a a young slave girl who, for lack of a better term, is is really being pimped out by a couple of men who are using her and her demon possession and her fortune-telling abilities to make a quick buck. That's really what they're doing. And these Men have this girl, and, and Paul and Silas are, are met by this girl. And you remember what happens? Paul casts a demon out of her. I believe she's converted to Christ at that moment. I think Paul would go around casting demons out of people and not leading them to Christ. And so this young slave girl is converted to Christ. But you remember her handlers, so to speak, are upset because now they've lost their means of making money. And so they stir up the city against Paul and Silas, and Paul and Silas are arrested and thrown in prison. And so here they sit in prison in stocks. Now, I don't exactly know what that was like for Paul and Silas. We have in St. John New Brunswick, up, we have sort of a, like a signal hill, but not as big a signal hill. It's like a fake signal hill. Uh, it's called Fort Howe. When you go up on the hill and there's these, there's these old English stocks where you put your hands and your head in, you know, and everybody takes your picture. Then you pull your head and your hands out. Except real stocks, you couldn't pull your head and hands out. That was the point. And Paul and Silas are too uncomfortable to sleep. And so what do they do? They sing praise to the Lord, right? They sing praise to God in the prison. And then God sends an earthquake. You remember? And the, and, the, and the jail shakes, and the chains all fall off, and the doors swing open, and it's like prison break. You know, everybody run for it. But nobody runs. Paul and Silas manage to contain the prisoners that are there, and the jailer comes running in. 
and he says, uh, I'm going to kill myself. Because back then, it's not like working for the government nowadays. Back then, if you messed up on your job when you had a government job, they just killed you and got somebody to fill your spot. Aren't you glad things have changed over the years? And so the jailer comes in. He's going to kill himself. Paul and Silas say, sir, don't do yourself any harm. Don't, Don't kill yourself. We're all still here. And, of course, he runs in and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas say, very simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved and your household. As they're exposed to the gospel, they'll have an opportunity to repent and believe as well. And so that church, Acts 16, this is just one sliver of Paul's missionary life. And I've asked myself, why endure all of that? I mean, really, why not just, you know, go to the beach, the spa, and beat her home on first class. Like, why all of that? Why would Paul subject himself to that kind of treatment and trouble and trial throughout his life? Why would he do it? Well, I think he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. Now, you need to set that in context. That's Paul's third missionary journey. He's finally in Troas. Third time he comes to this city. He says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest. Now, this is an unusual thing for a missionary to say. I got to the city, and you know, people in the city, they like wanted to hear the gospel. And there was a people who were like, please preach, teach, tell us. And the missionary says, I, I just couldn't, I just wasn't into it. That's a weird missionary, all right? Why would Paul say, I I had no rest in my spirit? Well, he tells us in verse 13 that he could not find his brother Titus. Titus was supposed to meet him in Troas. That's on the eastern shore of the Aegean Sea, sort of the last spot you can go before you have to cross the Aegean Sea over into Macedonia. Paul's there in Troas, and he's looking around for Titus. There's an opportunity to preach the gospel, but Paul is not... He's not compelled by the opportunity because he's very concerned about Titus and his health. So he has no rest in his spirit. And I, you know, I so identify with Paul in this place because in St. John, New Brunswick, where I'm from, where I pastor, there's a great opportunity for the gospel. You know, I I don't know if you've, not everybody in St. John, New Brunswick is saved yet. All right. We've been working at it, but we're not there yet. Just the same way here in St. John's, Newfoundland, not everybody knows the Lord, right? So there's, there's still a work to do. There's an opportunity for the gospel. But I've had a restless spirit over the past couple of years. I, I confess, and Steve and I have talked a lot about it because we kind of got restless at the same time, apparently. Um, I had a restlessness in my spirit. My father, when I called to ask him to pray about our decision to go to South Africa, he said, Herb, are you having a midlife crisis? <laughs> I guess maybe he's had one and he kind of knows what they look like. And I said, well, I don't think so, Dad, because if it was a midlife crisis, I'd just go buy an expensive sports car. I wouldn't bother with moving my family halfway around the world. It's not a midlife crisis. It's, it's a calling. It's a burden that I have of the, of the Lord. And so I identify with what Paul says here. I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. And even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So Paul says in verse 12, I took leave of them. <laughs> even though there were gospel opportunities, even though there was... I mean, the, the church was happening, things were going on. Yeah, I, I'll see you later. That's, that's what we've done. I've pastored at the same church for the past 14 years. It's the church I grew up in, all right? So 
creates a few interesting dynamics, mind you. But, you know, there's my parents in that pew. There's my grandparents in that pew. There's my aunt and uncle over there and a few cousins and some extra people thrown in. And there you have it. I mean, and it's a very comfortable life. Uh, we've, we've enjoyed ministering there. Uh, sure, there are challenges, but, you know, there are challenges in every church. I was, we just had a great life ministering there. And people have said to me, Pastor, you're crazy. Like South Africa's halfway around the world. And what about the violence? And what about the problems? And what about, it, it's just not like here. What, what about weird foods you'll have to eat? And I say, hey, let's, hey, hey, wait a second. The South African diet is meat-based. Can I get an amen for that, right? So it's, it's a good thing. I said, it's a good thing. We're not going to eat that much weird stuff. But it is a far distance away. Why go? Well, I'm, I'm like Paul. I, I just That's the way I feel. He describes exactly what I feel. And this is why I think Paul was willing to travel around, to go from Troas into the province of Macedonia, to suffer, to have all these trials and challenges in his missionary life. And look at what he says in verse 14. See, like, this is amazing when you think about it. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. You say, okay, yeah, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession? What's triumphal procession? What, what is Paul trying to tell us? He says, I have been willing to go from Troas where there was an opportunity and I could have stayed there, and I, I, but I left Troas and traveled over to Macedonia. I'm looking to find Titus because Titus has news from Corinth. This is what I think is going on. Titus has news from Corinth, and Paul is really concerned about what's going on in Corinth, and he wants to talk to Titus about Corinth. He's so concerned about the church in Corinth that he doesn't stay in Troas and take the gospel opportunities that are there because he's really concerned about Corinth. But why would Paul do all that? Paul says, well, I just thank God that he leads me in triumphal procession. And if you're like me, you go, I, do, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Why is he saying that? What you have to understand is that ancient, in ancient cultures, what would happen is armies would attack each other. So you might have a big army, and you're sitting in your city, and you're all defended, and things are going really well, and then all of a sudden an invading army comes, and they attack your city, and they defeat your big bad army. And then what they do is... the invading general who's won a great victory in your city, he takes you and all the strong men in the city, strings them together, and walks them all the way back to the city he came from. And when he gets there, he says to everybody, look, I'm a great general because look at all the people I've conquered. I conquered this guy who thought he was strong, and I conquered that guy who thought he was strong, and I conquered this. That's what Paul's talking about. And I say, but I, I still don't get it. But, well, here's, here's the point. Paul says, that in Christ, he has been conquered. He's been conquered. God has, has literally captured him in the person and work of Christ. And now, God takes him and parades him all over the Roman Empire. Just saying, look at what my grace can do. Look at what my grace can do. Look at how famous I am. And Paul... He's just a slave. He's just been captured by God in Christ. That's what Paul says. I thank God that I have the opportunity to be a slave led about as a trophy of God's grace throughout the empire. I'm just thankful for that opportunity. 
And that is my heartbeat for South Africa. I just want to go there and be led about in triumphal procession. I just want to go to South Africa and have people look at my life and say, you mean God could save you? You mean God could change you? You mean that God in Christ could take somebody from a nowhere place? I was born in Mizpec, New Brunswick. All right, You don't even know where it is because it hardly even exists. All right, I was born in Mizpec. It's like St. John, New Brunswick. Now, there's a, there's a happening place. Yeah, I like St. John. It's a nice spot. But you know what? It's just St. John. It's not like Rio or Paris. I mean, it's just, nobody says, I have been waiting my whole life to get to St. John, New Brunswick. Nobody says that. In fact, most people don't even know where it is. I've talked to people who've driven their car from the U.S. or from Western Canada to Nova Scotia, because Nova Scotia is very well known. They've driven their car to Nova Scotia, and I talk to them, and I say, you've been to Nova Scotia? Oh, yeah. I said, well, what did you think of New Brunswick? New Brunswick? I've never been to New Brunswick. Now, let me, you drove to Nova Scotia. Yeah, I drove to Nova Scotia. But you've never been to New Brunswick, no? Never seen it. Well, here's the thing. Nova Scotia is only connected to New Brunswick. So if you drove, you had to go through New Brunswick. Huh. I didn't, I didn't know I'd ever been there. You know, that's New Brunswick. That's where I'm from. Okay. That's my city, St. John, New Brunswick, the city that everybody thinks stinks because there's a pulp mill there and there's a refinery there. That's where I'm from. And, and, and so as if that wasn't obscure enough, then there's just me, son of Wayne Hunter, right, who's a logger cutting trees in the woods. I mean, really, we're, we're, in, we're not like the best-known Irving is kind of the best-known family, in but not the Hunters. You know, you come and say, I'm looking for the Hunters. People would say, can't help you. Don't know them. That's just who I am. But here's the thing. If God would be willing... To take me, conquered by his grace, conquered in Christ, and lead me about as a trophy of what he can do to sinners, then tie me up. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. And, and you know what? Truthfully, that could be all your testimony. Maybe that could be your testimony. God is leading you about. You say, yeah, why did I have to move here? And why am I going over there? And my job's been transferred. And this has happened and that has happened. And all these things have happened. I've gone from this neighborhood. I've moved to this neighborhood. Here's what's happening. God is leading you about as a trophy of his grace. That's what he's doing. Just like Paul. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal possession. So as a slave, conquered by God in Christ, I'm being led about. And, this is the other reality that's happening, through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So there's a slave, that's me, and there's a smell, that's me. Kind of smelly. You know, nowadays people don't like the smell. Have you noticed that? You go to the, some of you kids are getting there, like my family, now I have a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 16-year-old. So we're kind of in that puberty phase of life. Are you allowed to say puberty in a Baptist church? We'd, we're, we're sort of coming into that puberty phase of life. And you know what's happening? People are starting to smell. Oh, yeah. And uh, so you're saying to your kids, okay, time for deodorant 101 class. And we get out the stick of deodorant. We do the demonstration. And people are like, oh, okay. So they put it on once a week. 
You know, and I'm like, no, it's it's an everyday application. We got to do this every day. And it's like, you know, you remember you used to get a bath once a week? You remember that? When I was a kid, I got bath once a week. Saturday night in the tub, so you're looking good on Sunday. And you just went along all week long, and then Saturday was bath time. You know, you had beans and brown bread for supper, and then you got a bath. That was the way it went. Once a week. But now my, I'm like, hey, kids, once a week's not cutting it. And probably twice a week's not even going to cut it. Let's just have daily showers. Now, then you got the problem. Ooh, this feels good. I'm going to stay in here for half an hour. No, hot water costs money. You're not staying in here for half an hour. But you get the point. Because I don't want, nobody wants to smell. There's whole stores dedicated to you not smelling. All right? <laughs> I, mean, I walk by that Bath and Body Works store in the mall. I'm like, whoo, man. I don't go in there. My, I still am a man. Okay, I don't go in. But it's all dedicated to what? You just got to smell good. Well, well Paul says, you know, Paul says, as he's being led about by God in Christ, as he's being led about as a trophy of God's grace, he is diffusing a smell. He's, there, there's literally a smell coming from Paul. And what is the smell? It is the fragrance. It, it is a sweet fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere he goes. Look in verse 15. We are the aroma of Christ to God. I love that. I love because we are the aroma of Christ to God. Okay, so it's not just the smell that you're giving off to everyone else. When God looks at you, when God, work with me in this, when God smells you, because that's what the text is saying, when God smells you, he smells Christ. All right? When he looks on you, he sees Christ. We're pot, we like saying that because nobody wants to smell. But this text says when God smells you, he smells Christ. All right? We give him thanks for that. All right? So we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, verse 16, a fragrance from death to death and to the other, a fragrance of life to life. So, Sometimes you share the gospel and people don't like the way it smells. I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know what it's like in St. John's. This was a nice place when I lived here. It's gone to seed since then, maybe. I don't know. I, but here's the truth. Not everybody is clamoring to hear the gospel. And even when you share the gospel, not everybody's interested in hearing it. If this is a, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, do all things without murmuring or disputing. I'm probably quoting the King James, but, you know, hey, that's me. Do all things without murmuring or disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. If you're not getting that vibe, crooked and perverse, if you're not getting that vibe, you're probably not reading the newspaper or watching the news. Because that's what this world is like, crooked, perverse. Scoliosis is the Greek word. Bent away from God and from the things of Christ. So to some people, you're the stench of death. You really are. It doesn't mean you don't give the gospel. It doesn't mean you still don't live as a trophy of God's grace. But just know there's people out there. Jesus said, marvel not. The world hates you. Hated me first. Don't marvel. There's a stench on you to some people. It's, it's, it's a fragrance from death to death. But, verse 16, it, but <laughs> to the other a fragrance from life to life. Some people with whom you share the gospel will come to faith. And so you share it. 
And you are that fragrance of life, from life to life. Some fragrances are just not enjoyable. We were driving down. Of course, you in Newfoundland here, you, you can pick and choose your wildlife because they can't swim this far. But in Saint in New Brunswick, we got skunks. We got lots of skunks. I was driving home about two months ago. I was down at a friend's house for, you know, just an outside wiener roast kind of thing. We were driving home at night. It was dark. I'm just kind of sitting there like you do, driving along. Kathunk. Oh, no. I said to Janet, what was that? I hope it was a raccoon because I hate raccoons because raccoons, they knock over my garbage, right? So I, I heard the skunk and I thought, yes, it was a raccoon, maybe. And then about three seconds later, oh, it was a skunk. And he, he let loose with all his fury on my van. And it smelled like a skunk. And I thought, well, maybe that'll be good because then I parked the car in the driveway and the skunks won't come to my garbage because I'll think my car is a big skunk. But it hasn't worked that way. But So in the morning, I just had to get clear of that smell. I just couldn't stand it. So in the morning, I get up. I could smell it outside. I get in the van. I could smell it. I said, I'm going to the car wash. So I went to the car wash. And it helped. But it didn't quite do the trick. So I went to Canadian Tire, and I got two of those little clip-on air fresheners. <laughs> Citrus smell. And, the, you know, the whole citrus skunk smell that's in my van now, it's like, it's okay, it's better than pure skunk, I guess. But that's kind of, that, that, that repulsive smell that you just have to get away from, that's what the world is like with the gospel. And it, but occasionally, look, by God's grace, occasionally you come across somebody who smells that scent of life on you, and they're drawn to Christ, and they're gloriously saved. And so I go to South Africa, Look, I know it's a weird way to say it, but I, I go to South Africa to, to spread a smell. It's not the smell of Canadian. It's not the smell of maritime. It's, not, it's none of those things. It's the sweet savor of Christ and the life that's in Christ. That's what I go to do. I want, I want that smell to permeate South Africa coming from me and from my family. And look at what Paul says, and this is where we finish. Look at what he says at the end of verse 16. Because you're thinking, oh, yeah, I can do this, baby. I'm, I'm in. Sign me up for that, that slave and smell thing. I get it. I'm on board. So Monday, tomorrow, you're already imagining. I get this. When I go to work, I got to remember, okay, I'm a slave. I'm on display. I'm a trophy of God's grace. I'm, I'm, I'm living this. Yeah, I'm getting it. And this smell thing, I'm just an image that works for me. I'm spreading the smell of Jesus. I got it. But then read what Paul says at the end of verse 16. Who is sufficient for these things? I love that because that's me. I think about being a missionary in South Africa, and I'm not going to South Africa to be a missionary because I'm just that awesome. Awesome people like me, they'd be missionaries in South Africa. That's not it. I am full of fear and trepidation. I'm scared to death about moving to South Africa to try to plant a church. I've never planted a church before. I just walked into church. Pastor, here's the keys. There's your office. Here's your paycheck. What do you need? Ah, I love it. But plan a church? I've never done it. I don't know. Well, I think I know the first thing about church plan. Win people to Jesus. So I'm just going to go try that. And I think it's going to work. I, you know, I've got a little bit more plan than that, perhaps. But, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not riding a wave of self-confidence. It's not me. I'm saying with Paul, who is sufficient for these things? And I'll tell you what I've decided. Jesus is sufficient for these things. 
and I need God's grace working in me, working through me, helping me. I need the prayers of God's people, the support of strong local churches who will hold the ropes while we're there. There's a team of people. See, I would never go to the mission field just by myself. I go to, there's like 20 people there waiting for me. Ah, good. I can go and work alongside them because I, I am not sufficient for these things. I, I need God's help. I need the grace of Christ flowing in my life because God is the one who is sufficient. Jesus is the one who is sufficient. You want to be a trophy of God's grace? Y- you do want to be that. And you are that. You want to spread the smell of Christ wherever you go? To, to be the smell of, you are the smell of Christ to God. But what about people? You want to spread that that fragrance of Christ and his life and his forgiveness and the hope and all those things. You want to spread that. But you better not get to the place where you believe you're sufficient, that you got this because it's all about you. No, it's all about him. You're just an instrument in the Redeemer's hand. That's it. And so that's what I'm praying. God, use me that way. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, but to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Will you pray for us, please, as we get ready? to go and minister in South Africa. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for a church such as this, people coming, listening, learning, growing, just a slice of your body in this place. Lord, bless this church, prosper it. Raise up churches just like this one throughout the city of St. John throughout the entire Avalon Peninsula, that your name would be established, exalted, glorified, that people would see you, your might, your power, your grace. Lord, help us to do it as we go, being led about in triumphal procession, just slaves. And as we go spreading that sweet scent of Christ, it's a sweet scent, but Sometimes the world doesn't like the smell. Help us to be okay with that. Just keep spreading that sweet smell of Christ to those who are perishing. And Lord, we're not sufficient. In our own strength, in the arm of the flesh, we will fail. But with you guiding us, with you leading us, with you, Lord, we can. And so give us grace, please, because of Christ, to accomplish what you've set before us to accomplish. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.